Matthew chapter 12. We've been, our text for this, what the Lord Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain. So the whosoever is there. The saying is there. He said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, and not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So we have a whosoever saith, and then we have a have whatsoever he saith. So we just found out that there's something connected in life to our words, that what you say has a correlation to your life. Well, who knew? Who knew? Who knew that it wasn't our education? Who knew it wasn't our race, our look? Who knew it wasn't a whole bunch of stuff that everybody's always said? They've always said that tall and dark-complected men, tall, dark, and handsome, so to speak, statistically, they can pull them out and say, those are the men that have more money and that are running things and this, that, and the other. And they statistically say that short, light-complected men (laughs) <laughs> I'm not short. I am on the lower level of, of normal, hallelujah, of regular. I'm just, I'm right in, I'm close, but I'm not short. Who knew, though, that it wasn't connected to those things, that it wasn't connected, that really those things are really based on culture and society. People think, well, I'm tall, dark, and handsome, and so they get an attitude about that. They get a perspective about that, and they fulfill it. It's self-fulfilling. So whatever you don't have by natural, whatever you don't have by personality, whatever you don't have physically, you just have to get it in your mouth. You just have to say, I've got it anyway. Those people can say it because it's natural. So whosoever shall say, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now that's law, y'all. That is gravity law. That is sun coming up law. That is seed time and harvest law. It can't fail. It will never fail. And then we saw in Proverbs chapter 4 where it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. This is a law that's not just new covenant. There's some things that we get from the new covenant and the new birth. But this has always been the law of confession. Whosoever shall saith shall not doubt in his heart, of course. We're not talking about frivolous sayings. I have 16 Cadillacs. We're not talking about that. But not doubt in his heart. Whosoever shall saith shall have whatsoever he saith. Amen. So there's a connection between saying and having in life. In Matthew chapter 12, let's look in verse 33. Verse 33, Jesus, the Lord Jesus said, either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil or unbelieving, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Now, the key here is the abundance of the heart, what's ever in abundance, what's in power in the heart, what's in your heart, the mouth is going to speak. Your mouth is tied to your heart. Is that right? What's in your heart? I wonder what's in my heart. We just listen. Eventually, we're going to find out what's inside a man's heart, whether it's believing or unbelieving. I can listen to anybody for just a little while, and I can tell whether they're rich or poor. I can tell if they're in faith or not. Tell me, I'm in faith about this, Pastor. I believe, but I'll listen to you, and I can tell. And it's not like it takes a lot. It's not like, well, mostly he said this. A little, if it's in there, it'll come out. So you don't have to have somebody else uh, listen to you. You can listen to yourself. Last Sunday morning, for instance, this is what I said. We were talking about what we're doing with Children's Church, and I said we lack $3,500. Did anybody hear that? The confession police, hallelujah. Well, I've enlisted her. But I said, we lack $3,500. Well, that's not true. We don't lack anything. 
It's already been endowed to us. We're just receiving it. It's just a matter of where it is, but we don't lack anything. Well, it was wrong. I never knew I said it. Going home, I found out. But I was glad because, see, I had to renounce those words. I had to dig those words up. I had to make sure those words weren't in my field. You can't get a pass saying, well, you know what I mean. I said it, and that's what was in my heart, and it had to be renounced and taken out and reshaped and reformed. So you can't tell your kids, we can't afford it. In every sense of the word, that may be your financial position. That may be exactly what you mean. It's exactly what your economic plan is going to be. But you can't say with the intent of your future saying, we can't afford that. All you can say is, it is not wisdom at this time for us to make that purchase. Say anything, but don't say, I can't afford it. Because it's not true. You are rich. He made you rich. So verse 34, he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And then he says, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. So your heart is actually a bag. And it stores words to be used by your life. We use the analogy of a well, that when you have a well, and it is your only source of water, so to speak. So when you dip the bucket down in the well and you bring up the water to drink and the water is bitter or the water is sweet, if it's bitter, you can't blame the bucket. You have to say it's the water in the well. And the same thing, you can't really blame your mouth. You have to look and say, what is in the well? What have I deposited in the well? What am I dipping out of that is causing my life to be like it is? Amen? In Proverbs chapter 4, it says in verse 23, Keep thy heart with all diligence. Now, this is a command. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it the heart are the issues of life. Now, the word issues there in the Hebrew are actually, you'll look it up, and it means borders and boundaries. How interesting that your life isn't limited by how smart you are, how good you look, your education. It's not limited by that. He said it's limited by your heart. The borders on your life, how far you can go and how easy it is to go there, are all in your heart. Not external, but internal. Say, inside me. That's exactly right. Everything on the outside first was produced on the inside. There's nothing coming into your life whether it's poverty, whether it's sickness, whether it's uh, a bad marriage. So he says, uh, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And then in verse 24, he said, put away from thee a froward mouth. Well, that's the same thing with death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's the same thing with out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak it. He said, put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Well, that froward, I don't know what froward means. So I looked it up and it means crooked and distorted. Crooked. He said, put away from you a crooked mouth. And then he said, and perverse lips. Perverse meant somebody that is willfully determined to be contrary or rebellious. So he said, you got to get your mouth under control. Put these lips far from you. Obviously, it's all from A to Z in the Bible. we got to fix what's inside instead of working so much on the outside. You know, preachers have been working on the outside. 
get rid of this and quit wearing this and quit going here and quit doing that. Why do people do that? Well, it's because that's what's on the inside. And you can't just cut off the outside and say, oh, that'll fix it. Because it's what's on the inside that's going to cause people to do the outside. When you get born again, everything changes. You got something to dip out of now that can produce life. Before, the sinner doesn't have a chance. He's just got one well in one bucket. There is no salvation in that well, and there is nothing life-giving in that well. The best he can do is under threat of penalty of law is to be moral and ethical and law-abiding. Sinners are law-abiding because they just don't want to do time. They just don't want to pay the penalty, the fine. They're not motivated by righteousness from the inside. The law is made for the lawless. And they've just figured out what's the best avenue of life, the best they can, and so they conform to it. It just makes them have a better life. It's an analytical and reasoning decision. But we do right not based on that. We do right because that's what's inside of us. And by nature, the Word of God teaches us that if we'll do what's in the Word, His words are spirit and life, it'll produce life. So we just trust Him that if we give and that if we bless and that if we forgive, sometimes it's hard to forgive. Sometimes they don't receive your apology, and it's more trouble than it's worth. It stirs up stuff, but it releases your heart from that nasty stuff and gets you all clean on the inside. So now everything you've got in your future is blessed. Amen? So that's why we do it, not because it's a reasoning decision. What will they think and what will they do? No, it's just right on the inside. And so we begin to release those things, and out of our heart becomes good things. So here's the truth. You can't go further with your life than you're willing to speak. If you can't speak, then you can't go there. You just can't go there. You're not going to be successful until you get success down on the inside. And it's got to be based on the Lord Jesus. You can't be rich. He's made you rich, but you can't produce it with your life until you get rich down on the inside. We're criticized here, not by great people, I'll say. Usually it's by people that, that come in, hear it, and leave. But we are criticized by our stance on prosperity. But the only way to turn this great ship of lack around is to put the brakes on and start making a U-turn. And it, it's not a little tugboat. It's not a little motorboat that you can just turn it left. All of a sudden, you're going the other way. This thing of lack has been big in the kingdom. It was taught as doctrine to be Without it is godliness. Holiness is going to be poverty. We take vows of poverty in the kingdom and say that they're good, that God loves it, that that's the highest way to go. We've built a big thing. And so it just takes a lot of chipping from the Word to get that thing out and start getting prosperity put in. Some people don't make it. It's their children that finally make it. Their kids get it. And so if the Lord should tarry, we're going to have another generation that's going to be in better shape than us. But if you put away a perverse lip, if you just say, I'm determined to have what the Word says, and you can do this. You can do this if you take a proactive, offensive stance where you just say, I'm going to have it. And you begin to work on you. You begin to allow the Lord to work on me. Work on me, Lord. I hate that. Just like when Debbie said that to me, Sandy, it's like, thank God I got it out. Some people don't want to be worked on. They want their religion. They don't want that prosperity thing. Heard it this week. I'd like to bring my boss to church, but he doesn't like preachers that talk about prosperity. And that's why this morning you're here. It's not because you like our 
stained glass in our steeple. It's not because we're so convenient. It's not because we're such a friendly people. Actually, word of faith, we're not all that sympathetic. People have troubles. People have things. We have a stance of, here's the word. Get the word in. Straighten up. Get yourself lined up. Throw off the devils. Take a stand. And other churches are like, oh, baby, that's bad. Let us cry with you. Let's come over and we'll fill up some tissues right away. And they people like that. We're not that way. But you are. You've taken this stance that says, bless God, life is relatively short. I need to get going. Here's the point is your Redeemer wants to root out everything that's working against you inside of you. He wants to root it all out. He wants to root out lack. He wants to root out bad self-esteem. He wants to root out sickness. Well, back to Matthew chapter 12. Praise the Lord. It says there, a good man, verse 35, out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. So what it is is your words are the deposit slip proving what went in. See, every Monday and every Thursday... Chris goes to the bank with the church's deposit, just like you do after payday. You go to the bank, and they give you a deposit slip, and that is the proof you have that Nellie that was sitting behind the window didn't pull off of the $400 you gave her. She didn't pull off one of the 100s and say, this will fit nicely for my birthday. You've got a deposit there that if you just have a $300 deposit show up on your bank statement, Nellie's got 100 of it, that you can go in and say, I've got a deposit slip showing 400 and they have to honor that. Well, your words are the deposit slip of what's been put in your life. You can say you're a good believer. You can say I'm in faith. You can say I'm a believer, but we're going to look at your deposit slip. Your future is going to be lined up based on what's on the books. What's on the books? What you're saying. Your words are going to tell us what you've been depositing, what you've got to work with inside. So if you've got lack all around you, if sickness is where you've come from, if there's no problem with that, you're going to hear a lot of that. It's going to be a little more difficult and challenging for you to get a right deposit. And if you don't come to church or if you don't read your word, you don't have a chance. You'll want to and you'll say, yes, Lord, I want to prosper. Lord, I want to pay my bills. Lord, I want to live above this trouble. But unless you get a deposit inside, you don't have a chance. Well, doesn't God love me? He sure does. He's given you many opportunities to dip out of the well, the well of life, the well of fullness, the well of prosperity, the well of abundance, the well of peace. Lots of chances, lots of opportunities. But you got to do the depositing so you can do the dipping. You got to put it in. You got to put it in. So that's why we have Bible school. That's why we have church all the time. That's why we don't have sermonettes on Sunday morning of 20 minutes because we got to give you something to dip out of. If we come in here and do this and do that, you don't have anything to pull out of during the week. I believe this so much. I would put my life on it. I have put my life on it to preach this gospel because it helps people better than the Red Cross. It helps people better than the Salvation Armory. It helps people better than anything is to put something in them they can live out of their life. In Mark chapter 4, verse 24, the Lord Jesus, he talked about your hearing. So we know that if you have words of lack coming out of your mouth, we know that you have a tree of lack growing in your heart. Listen to me. If there's words of lack coming out of your mouth, we know, because Jesus said either make the tree fruitful or make it corrupt. We know that if you have fruit coming out of your mouth that says, man, we can't afford that. How are we going to do it? It's bad. 
we know there's a tree producing that fruit somewhere. It's growing. It's being fed. It's strong. It's releasing what it's called to do, which is fruit. You got a lack in your life? There's a tree of lack growing in your heart. We got to chop it down and plant a tree of prosperity. Don't we? We got to get it in there because the only place for us to eat the fruit of the goodness of God is to plant the tree inside and get that thing to producing into our future so we can eat off of it, so we can grow from it. We can plant, I am rich. Now, people don't like that, but it's a Bible scripture. He made you rich, it's in the Bible. It's a covenant scripture, no less. It wasn't even in passing. It's a covenant scripture, the same kind of scripture that says, by his stripes ye were healed. That is a covenant scripture. That is a cardinal doctrine. It's who you are in him. By his stripes ye were healed. He was made poor that you through his poverty might be made rich. That is a covenant truth. It's an identifier. It marks you. This is who I am. How much money do you have? That's not who I am. He made me rich. That's who I am. It has nothing to do with how much money I have. How do you feel? It has nothing to do with who I am. I am the healed. Feelings are not a marker. The Word of God is the marker. I am the healed. I am free from destruction. Why? You've got all sorts of trouble around you. It doesn't matter. I am redeemed and delivered. Amen? So we got to get this tree growing inside. we got to plant the seed. The only way to plant the seed is put the word in. Plant the seed. Because we had lots of seeds of lack put in. I'm telling you, I grew up with lots of that. So you could be in your present condition this morning, whatever it is. We could line everybody up and say, no exceptions and no exemptions. Somebody says, I owe 100000 Why, I owe 50000 Why, I've got $20 to my name. Unequivocally, we'd say to everybody, are you rich? And everybody could tell the truth and say, Tell you the truth, I am. He made me rich. I really am rich. I am the wealthy one. They call me the wealthy one in the Word of God. And we could get somebody in a wheelchair and, and line them up and say, Who are you? I am the healed. So you've got to plant that seed. We've got to get it inside so that it can come out. Because whatever comes out is what's going to happen, what's going to be, what's going to produce in our life give you a million dollars, let you win the big lotto. Not just one million. We'll let you win, what was that the other day? 300 million. It's going to hurt those people, I can tell you. I saw who won it, and I can tell you. I looked at him, I said, it's going to hurt you bad, buddy. <laughs> this is not going to help you, but you enjoy it while you can. Give you a million dollars, and if you don't have it on the inside, that tree will choke out that money. It'll choke it out, and it'll go right back to being who they were. Because who you are is who you are. Well, amen. Well, Mark chapter 4, verse 23, If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Literally means to understand. And he said to him, Take heed what ye hear. What ye hear. Now, the what there is literally, I looked it up, and the word that's translated what in the Greek literally means who. The Lord Jesus said, Take heed who you listen to. I think that's right. Why did he say that? Well, he goes on and says, With what measure you meet or give out, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear or understand shall more be given. So he's saying here that you could listen to the wrong thing and be toast, or you could listen to the right thing and you could succeed. He said it's all into the hearing. 
Look with me to Luke chapter 8 in verse 18. Right there he said, be careful, take heed who you listen to. And in verse 18 of chapter 8, he said, take heed therefore how ye hear. And the word how there means in what way or how much is how it's translated in the Greek. He said, take heed therefore in what way ye hear. For whoever hath to him shall be given. That is the kingdom law. Whoever has, more shall be given. And him that has not, even that which he thinks he has, Matthew 25, that which he thinks he has shall be taken away. So you got to have a seed before you can even hold on. In other words, if someone gives you something and you don't have a tree that matches what they gave you, then even that which you think you have, the lottery or whatever, it'll disappear. You can't keep it. You can't hold on to it. But if you have the seed of prosperity, the seed of health in here, it doesn't matter what sickness, it doesn't matter what calamity, it doesn't matter what trouble comes, you'll be back. There may be a temporary discomfiture, but you'll be back. That's why rich people that know they're rich, they get wiped out, nothing changes. They may have come and got their car, they may have to walk home that weekend. Whatever they come and get, it never changes in their head. I'm talking about people that really have it inside. Now, some people are jumping off bridges, but they didn't have it inside. But people that really know who they are inside, not even in Christ, I'm talking about they just know I am rich, and I'm not going to live different than that. They're back by the weekend. That's the secular side of it. And there's a lot to do in the secular side. You've got to do a lot of whatevers. Well, we don't have to do anything but believe his word. You just live humbly and believe his word and put it in, put it in, put it in. Every morning, put it in. Don't matter what it looks like, doesn't matter where I've come from, doesn't matter what they're saying, I'm rich. And then you read yourself the word, he made me rich, therefore I am. And you just go out that day and the tree starts producing. And you just pluck it off. Thank you, Lord, for favor. Thank you, Lord, for opportunities. Thank you, Lord, for open doors. And they just start opening into your life. How could that be? How could you be so blessed? Because you got this tree growing down inside. You're just producing your future on the inside. So when we say people come to church, you ought to come to church. It's not so we can take your offering. It's not so we can build a crowd here. It's so that we can put a deposit in your life so you can live a prosperous and abundant life. Well, I have to work, and I got kids, and my husband doesn't like me. You need to get over it. You got to know nothing's going to change until you get the deposit, the treasure changed. And your excuses and your little things of life of why you can't, it just holds you back. And the whole time you're not getting the word means you're hearing something else. So you are losing ground. So the devil always comes. People that come into this church and they get the word. The Bible says in Mark chapter 4, Satan comes immediately to steal the word. What does he come with? With whatever is against the word you heard. If you get a word concerning healing, woo, praise God, I found out. God's not mad at me. He's not trying to teach me something with sickness. He wants me healed. Immediately, the devil comes with lying symptoms to say, watch this. Just watch how they'll squeal. Watch how they'll deny. Watch how they'll let their mouth open. And so what he does is try to get us to see and say, feel and say. Well, I guess I didn't get it. Guess the word doesn't work. Guess it's not what I thought it was. Guess I just, you know, I sinned too much last week. God couldn't do it for me. And all these lies. So if your life is the result of the deposit that you control into your life, you've got to control some bad conversations. 
you got to quit listening to your mother-in-law that tells you, you know, you go to that weird church or you listen to that weird gospel. Sonny, it ain't that way. This, you know, you, it's good enough for me and Grandpa. It's good enough for you. You just got to love them, kiss them on the cheek, and then run out the back door screaming. <laughs> Take the pie when you're going. Hallelujah. <laughs> I noticed that life is like this. This is how people interpret it. They think life is made of events. And if you look up the definition of time, if you ever look up the dictionary definition of time, it'll tell you that time is simply the measured sequence of events. But actually, for you and I, life is not an event. Life is actually like dust falling. There's dust in this room right now falling. You can't see it. It's not perceived. But like your own house, if you just go on vacation for a week and let the dust fall, come back, you know, after a week, and there's a film of dust. You never saw it. It's there. Well, life is like that. You put this deposit in your life like dust, almost imperceivable. You're just confessing to yourself, saying to yourself, today I've got it. Money cometh to me. I am the healed. My heart beats with the rhythm of life. I think the thoughts of God. I can run through a troop, leap over a wall. I mean, you're talking to yourself all day instead of saying, this hurts. Where are we going to get the money? I feel bad. You're talking to yourself right, and it's like dust, and all of a sudden that dust You get enough of it, it'll trigger an event. It'll trigger an event. And you'll say your life is measured by the event, but actually your life is built up by that dust, that accumulation of the Word of God coming into your life. You get enough word in you concerning anything, nothing's happening though, nothing's happening. Nothing seems to be happening. By His stripes I am healed, but nothing's happening. But you just keep piling it on. Put the deposit in, put the seed in, keep piling on. And then one day it trips and the symptoms leave. The bills get paid. There's a miracle. There's something that happens. It's the same thing in the negative. You keep on loading it. We can't make it. What are we going to do? It's bad. God doesn't care. I'm mad at him. One day it'll trip. And then that's when people have trouble. They look at that day and say, yeah, that's when the devil hit me. No, the devil didn't hit you that day. That's just when what you were saying, the deposit of your heart, tripped, and it couldn't take anymore, and all of a sudden it had to manifest. And that's what happened. That's when trouble came. But people don't look at that. They go, well, why is God mad at me? Why didn't God take care of that? He couldn't because you overruled him with your mouth. Matter of fact, let me show you that. Turn to Numbers chapter 13. Let me show you Numbers chapter 13, exactly how this works. Now, the reason we can go, that we can bear to go to the Old Testament here is because this law works. It's indiscriminate of covenants. This law, and there are many things that are covenant-related, covenant-bound, that you can't move from one covenant to the next, but seed time and harvest is one you can, and the law of confession works before covenants, after covenants, no matter how it changes. It's the law. Look in chapter 13, verse 25. This is the spies that the Lord had Moses send out. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness And brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Verse 27. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, so we have a little sideline here. The people are strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Nanak there. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Just to say that here's what we're reporting that's there. Are y'all still with me? They've not sinned here. But the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell. Canaanites dwell. 
And verse 30, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, now here's the word of the Lord, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, Caleb didn't look around and measure everybody and say, I think there's more of us than them. What he did is he measured the word of the Lord. He heard the word, let the word be planted in him. It was deposited in him, and he simply had meditated on it, the veracity, the faithfulness, the consistency of God's word to the people. And he determined that when God said it, it always came to pass. So he said, we have heard the word. Doesn't matter what we saw, we can do it based on the word of the Lord. It wasn't a measuring thing here. It says, can we afford to do this? And so it says in verse 31, but the men that went up with him, they didn't meditate the word. They didn't have a heart to believe. They said, we're not able to go up. And sure enough, I bet they looked out there and said, you know, those are big guys and they got big stuff. And we're just fresh out of Egypt. We're not that good at war and we don't have any war machines. And he says, they're stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report. It called it an evil report, y'all. To deny the word of the Lord is called an evil report, saying the land which we have gone to search is a land that, look, 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 eateth up the inhabitants thereof. Well, now, how many people do you think they saw got eat up by these that got whooped? They all came back okay. You think they saw somebody get whipped over there? No, they speculated. Anybody ever heard of somebody with an imagination? God didn't call you to use your imagination. Let me just give you all a little sideline. We are not people of the imagination. We are a people of revelation. We don't know anything out of our imagination. Your mind will mislead you in the imagination realm. But revelation will never mislead you. And Caleb said, I got revelation. God said, go do it. Must mean we can. He's never sent us anywhere that said, go do it. And we got whooped. So let's go give him another shot. And these guys said, yeah, let's think about this. You know, we got a lot of stuff here going. And then they saw the giants, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight, verse 33, as grasshoppers. So that's true. But then they said, and so we were in their sight. They're making a case here, y'all. You know how it is when somebody, they want a video game or something. They make a case for it. They were making a case for staying at home. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would God that we have died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land, to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain, let us return to Egypt. There's some bad going on here. They were making decisions based on circumstances. Anybody been tempted in here to say, I'm going to make a decision based on what's going on? Brother Copeland says it this way. He says that any time you make a decision based on money, you're going to make the wrong decision. I live by that. I heard that, and I'd already been living by it. But I endeavor to live by that, to not make decisions based on money. Now, sometimes it'll get you in a squeeze. You know, it doesn't mean that everything just flows like a river from the get-go. Sometimes you're in a spot. Sometimes we're looking for money before we come to church to give. It's like, okay, how much do you have? Do you have anything? Well, I got this. Well, okay. Well, we're looking. And I'm a rich man. <laughs> and I'm looking for money to give. Because I don't want to come without a seed. There's always a seed to give. 
If you make a decision based on not money, but on faith, you're going to have a squeeze. Satan's going to come immediately. But I'll tell you, you always get on the other side of the squeeze stronger. <laughs> the point is, look in verse 26. They rock this thing back and forth. Verse 26, the Lord spoke unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, here he is. The Lord is ticked, y'all. It takes a lot to get him fired up, but he's got it right here. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation? You know, they were sweethearts the day before, but then they didn't believe him and they became evil. Evil congregation which murmur against me. I've heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me. And he said, I want you guys to say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number, from twenty years old and up, word which have murmured against me. Okay. Their words came to pass. Look in verse 34. This is it. Now look at this. This law works, y'all. It worked back then. Numbers 13 was a long time ago. Verse 34, after the number of the days in which ye searched the land, even 40 days, each day for a year shall ye bear your iniquities, even 40 years, that ye shall know my breach of promise. Now here it is. God's made a promise to you and me. He wrote it down in his word because there's no such thing as an enforceable promise that can't be written down. So the Lord wrote it down. He made a promise to you and me. Anybody know that God's made a promise to you? He made a solemn promise to you. It's called the covenant. Covenant means promise. So he made them a promise. He made you a promise. He made me a promise. But we caused a breach in the promise when we deny his words. When we say no, I'm not healed. No, I'm not rich. No, it's not well at my house. No, it's not good. It's bad where I am. We breach the promise with our words. And you can tell here it's serious to the Lord to breach the covenant promise. So much so, and, and this is not the Lord's anger here. He said, according to the law of multiplication, that when you speak the promise, when you agree with the promise, so shall it increase and be multiplied to your life. He said it works in reverse. What did he say? For every day that you didn't believe me in the wilderness, there will be a year assigned to you to be out of the promised land. A 365-fold curse multiplied to their life. Man, that's, that's hard time for unbelief. For one day, you got to spend a whole year locked out for every day. Well, that just tells you, God says, I've planned prosperity for you, Philip. I've planned prosperity for you, Melissa. I've planned prosperity for you, Michelle. I have planned it. I have mapped it out. I have sent Jesus to get the plan going. He legally made a way for the transaction to happen. I put my word into print, got it into your life, got a whole setup here. I am on course. I am on track here for this to happen. And you subverted. I gave you so much authority to carry out the promise, but you took it like Satan and turned around and used it against the promise and said, ha, we got this much power. We will use it not to receive the promise. It takes a believer's power and authority to not take the promise. It's bad. What would work in our benefit works against us. So, 
our words have the potential to be multiplied for us 365-fold. Hey, that beats the 100-fold. Glory to God. But it can work against us. Why are people broke that should be blessed? Because they have breached the promise. Well, I'm going to open my mouth in agreement with the promise. I'm going to say what he says. And if I can't say what he says, then I'm going to shut my mouth. I'm going to shut my mouth until I can fill my heart with treasure. Now, things that come out of your head do not bring to pass the promise. If it comes out of your head, you know, if you say this, that, and the other, it doesn't mean anything, but you need to know that there's an ear gate in your heart, that words that you speak are so believable by your heart that if you joke about, if you make coarse jesting about certain things long enough, your heart can't resist it very long. It eventually will open up and it'll hear what your mouth from your head says and it'll take it as truth. It's programmed to believe what you say. But of course, if you say, you know, I laughed so hard, I almost died, it doesn't believe that right away. But eventually, it will knock the door down and it will believe. And there's been people that laugh so hard and then they died. Do y'all know that? There's been people that all sorts of silly things, you know, that got blown away. That just blows me away. Gloria Copeland tells a great testimony that she used to always say, well, that just blows me away. And then she was in a meeting in Augusta, and the roof came off of the building. And she said, the Lord talked to me about, blow me away. That just blows me away. So we got to say what we mean and mean what we say because we're producing our future. 